what the commercial law pathway is, it's going to be an online pre-recorded course. Almost think of Netflix in course format. So, you know, you'll have all the pre-recorded content there with different sections from picking the right firm, who you are as an individual, right the way through to each stage of the application process. Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. The University of Law offers a range of undergraduate and postgraduate courses and master's degrees alongside an award-winning pro bono clinic so you can build up your legal experience while studying. And their experienced career service will enable you to put your best foot forward when launching your legal career. The courses are employment focused and based on real legal practice so you'll be better prepared for the workplace. Part-time and online study options are available so you can work and study at the same time. Click the link in the description box of the podcast to find out more about the courses on offer. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I'm a future training solicitor and current LPC student at the University of Law. In today's episode, we're delighted to be joined on the podcast by Ayaz Sabor. Ayaz is a founder of the Commercial Law Pathway. He's an investor, mentor, a non-practicing solicitor, and he was awarded a highly commended graduate of the year, 2021. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing Ayaz's experience during his training contract and getting his advice for those who may be about to start their training contract or who are interested in learning more about what a training contract involves. We will also be discussing the commercial law pathway and finding out who can benefit from it. So without further ado, let's welcome Ayaz back onto the show because we did have him as a guest in 2020. So a big warm welcome back to Ayaz. Thank you for joining us today, Ayaz. Thank you for having me again, part two. (laughs) It's really great to have you back. Well, what I can say firstly is congratulations on completing your training contract recently. Um, and we'll, do, we'll go into a, a little bit more about that um, a bit later on. But I wondered if you could first give us an overview and tell us what seats you completed. Of course. Yeah. So in my first seat at DWF, I sat in the construction team. Um, I then moved six months later into occupational health. And we can talk about what that involves. Um, a third seat, I spent a stint at Amazon on a comment, and then for nine months, I sat in regulatory, and that's that was my that was my whole training contract. <laughs> that's great. You know, I'm I'm actually really interested in construction, so I'll have to pick your brains about that maybe um, in, in a little while, or or maybe off the podcast because yeah. uh, that's something that I'm I'm definitely thinking about doing. Um, and I wondered if you could tell us a bit about the difference between contentious and non-contentious seats in t- in terms of the types of trainee tasks that are involved. Yeah, sure. So I think for me, my most prevalent non-contentious seat was 
construction. Um, although it was a mixture between contentious and non, I'd say 80% of the feet was weighted towards uh, non-contentious work and then probably in the main, the majority of my training contract was um, contentious, albeit with elements of non-contentious advice. For a trainee, I think, um, you know, both seats are great and I was one of those, um, admittedly, that, that probably through parallel experience thought, you know what, I don't want to be a non, uh, don't want to be a contentious lawyer. I had a, a lot of contentious experience as a paralegal and I thought, actually, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to be stuck with court deadlines. Um, you know, don't want to have to make applications to the court to vary deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I was probably one track minded in, in, into thinking I want to be a non-con lawyer. Um, the, the types of trainee tasks, um, I think with contentious, you will have kind of drafting documents to the court. So applications to the court, um, witness statements are a very, you know, trainee friendly um, task where you'll probably get to interview witnesses. Um, you know, you prepare yourself uh, a list of questions you probably run that past your supervisor or the fianer on the matter. You'll probably sit in on one firstly with them to understand and, and learn how it's done. And then, you know, depending on the seat you're in and, and kind of the values of the claim, uh, you might then be able to go and um, and take interviews on your own. And that, that for me was a very um, typical trainee task in, in contentious. Um, other types of um, tasks that I got involved with, certainly within occupational health seat, was uh, drafting defences. So we were defending claims uh, on behalf of insurers uh, where there might be personal injury claims arising out of incidents at work. Um, so drafting defences on behalf of uh, the insurer and the, the actual employer. Um, in terms of uh, the non-com work, I think, again, it can be really varied. Um, so in construction, we mainly dealt with kind of developments um, and there's a whole suite of construction documents that needed to be in place kind of ahead of any building work starting and during any kind of building work. So as a trainee, you get involved with drafting the documents, negotiating with the other side on points uh, and, and, you know, salient points of the drafting. And that's quite interesting. Uh, well, was interesting for me in terms of it being my first year. And I never actually had experience of uh, bouncing emails back and forth to, you know, the other side on, on points of, of drafting. Whereas, you know, coming from a con uh, contentious background in terms of paralegal you can understand why things are being bounced back and forwards when it when it comes to litigation it, it was kind of not I wouldn't say an odd experience but it was interesting to see how that dynamic works when it comes to um to sending the emails and and, and you know you really have to get into the mindset of your actual client to understand what they want you'll be on regular calls with or meetings whatever the world permits these days uh with clients um understanding their kind of pain points understanding the actual work that's being done um to understand what they need from the actual contractual document and then 
you know, I think it's quite evident from what I've said that construction is very contractually heavy. Um, so looking at kind of non-consensus advice I've provided in, in kind of my regulatory seat, um, a lot of it, is, a lot of what I did uh, was on the environmental side, environmental regulation uh, arising out of um, Brexit. So a lot of non-consensus advice in terms of that, and that is, you know, research heavy into kind of very, uh, a, a Fiona of, that I worked for, you know, he, he put it quite nicely in that a lot of the law currently, uh, you know, as you know, we're a, um, a common law jurisdiction. It's been around for years and years and years and years. Um, so people have wrote about it. People have studied it. People have put comments out on it. But Brexit was really, really new. Um, you know, it was probably one of the only times where laws changed in the blink of an eye. Um, and people had to interpret what that meant without there being any kind of historic analysis of it. So the, the non-contentious advice that I gave and, and that related to, you know, the changes that arise now to Brexit and you had to really, it was kind of rudimentary back to textbook. So um, as a trainee, I think to summarise, I spoke for quite a while, but I think you get involved in as much as you want to get involved in. Obviously, it depends on the team. It depends on the seats. Um, but, it, you know, I think even from this five, six minutes that I've spoken, it's unbelievably varied. And the difference between contentious and non-contentious is, is quite vast, but they are both equally as interesting and as exciting as, as the others. Thank you for going into so much detail. Um, it's, it's really interesting to find out what sort of tasks that you were involved in. Um, and yeah, some of that was quite surprising, actually, in relation to the environmental regulation research. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned drafting defences. That takes me back to dispute resolution on the LPC. Um, so, yeah, that was, it's nice to hear what, what, I might, what I might be doing. And I'm sure the listeners will feel the same. Um, so thank you for going into that. In terms of um, any of our listeners who might be getting ready to start their training contracts this year, next year, or even people who are just thinking about what they might need to be doing to prepare for their future careers as lawyers, do you think that there's anything that listeners can or should be doing to prepare for their training contract? I think I think anybody in, in the modern day, uh, you know, you need to cope up with the current affairs, geopolitical, economic um, environment, just see, so you know, you've got a grasp on what's going on in the world. Now, do I think that will help on your training contract? Probably not. Um, but that's, you know, it's really good to to be on top of that, given that you'll be invited to events, um, you'll meet with clients, and it's always good that to have that in your armory, especially to kind of stand out amongst your peers. In terms of preparing for the actual training contract i don't think there is i think once you find out what your first seat is i think that's when you can message your supervising partner or associate and just say look i start my training contract in x months or weeks um do you have any pre-reading that i can get involved with and then see what they say the reason that i don't actually think that there is anything you can prepare for is because each seat you will sit in is completely different. The teams of people that you will work for are completely different. So, so 
I'd say sadly, <laughs> you need to just deal with that as you kind of step in on your first day. You know, I think we'll come on to to challenges later on in this podcast, but I do believe one of the biggest challenges on your training contracts is the fact that you effectively start four new jobs. Um, so I think just be prepared to be versatile, prepared to be challenged. It's it's a, certainly a an unusual experience given that you're within the same business, um, but you will effectively meet a new team every six months. Um, so just be prepared for that. In, in a sense, but I, I wouldn't say that there's anything to kind of do whilst you're at home before starting the training contract itself. I thought that was really interesting what you said about starting for new jobs. I hadn't thought of it like that before, but it's actually so true um, that that is something that um, sort of many people will find, I suppose, challenging because you're essentially starting afresh four times. That's that's a really good point. And um, I know that you were a paralegal before starting your training contract. So I assume that you might have had a good idea about what lawyers do and how law firms work before starting your training contract. But was there anything that that took you by complete surprise during a training contract that you were not expecting and that that you could share with us? For me, it, it potentially varies kind of team by team, firm by firm. Um, but I do genuinely believe that as a trainee with that badge, there's an automatic badge of trust. So the actual level of responsibility you get whilst on your training contract and whilst you're called a trainee is actually far more than I probably ever anticipated. For instance, talking about occupational health, I was able to you know, draft Part 36 offers, liaise directly with counsel um, and medical experts. Um, I settled a number of claims, albeit, you know, small claims where we had delegated authority to do so up to a certain amount, I was able to actually negotiate the settlements myself. And that would be, you know, picking up the phone to the, you know, I don't know, partner of a high street firm or regional firm and and kind of, you know, banded numbers across. And I think that, to me, um, was a big shock in that kind of that comfort blanket in a way is removed. Um, and I think that's great because it's great for your development. It's great for your your knowledge and understanding of the area because you, I wouldn't say you're thrown in the deep end, but you're thrown in, you know, beyond the shallow end. Um, and you've got to learn and you've got to deal with it and you've got to build your own um, kind of ways of working. And so I think, yeah, for me, it's the the, the actual responsibility that you, that you get on your training contract when you are a trainee that, that, I wouldn't say it took me by surprise, but it, it certainly, you know, it was it was quite cool to experience. Yeah, that is interesting because um, I, I suppose maybe it depends on, on what firm you're at and what seat you're doing. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not really sure what to expect. But it, it's good to hear that that there is definitely a responsibility afforded to trainees. I think that that probably makes for a more sort of varied experience and and kind of a steeper learning curve, which which is uh, definitely a good, a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it, it certainly it helps you you um, develop. I think if you're sat always kind of running something past a supervisor and potentially getting changed before being sent out, as opposed to kind of 
Uh, I'm not saying, you know, when you get the responsibility, things aren't checked. Of course they are. They have to be. Um, but, with you know, let's take the, the files where I settled because we had delegated authority. I would sit down with the um, nominated partner supervisor of the matter. Um, she has the authority on behalf of the insurers to agree the settlement. So I would say and provide my reasons I have to um I would say I think you know x equals y and therefore we should settle for z um and if he agrees then you know jump on the phone and and, and do it and I think it's an unbelievably uh, unbelievably good learning curve because you have to deal with someone you've never probably spoken to in the past um and you know, try and get them to buy into what you're saying. So you get the settlement sorted. Um, and that's obviously one example. Um, there are various examples of, you know, as a trainee where you have the opportunity to take the lead on something because, um, you know, I think I'll touch on another point as a trainee, um, you are spread thin, but, but you are probably the person that people in your team will look to for all the detail um whether that's uh you know a, a contentious file you're working on or non-contentious um you know the, the people who you work for the associates the senior associates they'll be probably um spread thinner than you are so they've, they've probably got their fingers in a lot more pies um and they will probably defer to you for the actual detail of the file so if you you know, if you can get yourself ingrained in the actual detail, um, you know, know, the dates, the timings or whatever it might be, you know, you can really help yourself stand out um, just by knowing those small things. And I think it's, um, again, I think another surprise would be how many times, uh, um, how many times people actually defer to you for your opinion, because you know, the actual ins and outs of, of the file um so yeah i think all in all it's um yeah it's a really great opportunity for you to develop for you to kind of show what you're made of essentially um and i think coming from as you say having paralegal experience before um of course it stood me in good stead because i, I knew what kind of um what to expect from a career in law i don't think my paralegal experience gave me that level of responsibility so it was great to kind of be able to show off what I can do if that makes sense yeah completely I think I think that's really um really really interesting to hear and great that you were able to have that experience and build up those skills and so what advice do you have for future training solicitors in relation to how to excel during their training contract Okay. So I think I touched on it earlier. I think you really need to know the detail of, of what you're working on. I think that's one sure way that you can stand out by kind of knowing everything that's key to the, the individual files that you're you're working on. Goes without saying, always be super, super keen to take on new work. Obviously, if you genuinely, genuinely don't have capacity, then make sure you do speak to somebody, um, but don't kind of refuse work if you're looking to kind of clock off at five o'clock, obviously. And then beyond that, I think it's, um, you know, I think in this modern environment that we're in, when 
probably not going to be in the office as much. And if, or equally, you might be in the office, but the rest of your team might not be in the office as much in this post-pandemic world. Still can't believe it's been two and a half years since lockdown. Crazy. Um, or two and a bit years. Um, so I think what you can do as a trainee and what I think um, will really stand you in good stead is make sure, don't wait for people in your team to reach out to you to say, oh, Camilla, shall we have a coffee? Um, reach out to them. Reach out to them. Put some time in their diary when they're free. Get to know them so that they turn to you when they need some work doing because it helps you build that relationship that other trainees might not actually do. Um, and it shows that you're taking that level of care beyond what is expected to get to know people in the team. Because uh, especially if you're looking to qualify into a certain team, you're going to be working with these people day in, day out for however many years. So you, you do want to know them, um, not just on a professional level, on a, on a personal level. So um, I think that's a, a, a great way to kind of, it's not necessarily excelling in your training contract per se, but it's um, a way to kind of ingrain yourself in the team and, and make people remember who you are. Um, I think other ways that you can excel on your training contract are, you know, not being afraid to give your opinion. Um, you know, I, I spoke earlier about how um, I was quite surprised at how many people defer to you for your opinion because you know the detail. Don't be afraid to give it. Um, if you're wrong or, you know, you've got something factually incorrect, that's where you learn. Someone will tell you. Um, but don't be afraid to actually give your opinion on something. If you think something's not quite right, if it doesn't sit with, you know, sit well with you, then, then discuss it with the supervising associate, senior associate, whoever it might be on the file so that, you know, you get that deeper understanding um, and, you get challenged on any points that you um, that you're unsure of. So, I think combining those um, equally, you can take on extracurricular stuff. I um, was the co-chair of the race and ethnicity committee in Manchester. Um, it's just a, a way of getting your name out there to the firm um, to make people aware who you are and make them know that you exist. That's really great advice about building relationships I think it's so important uh, building relationships at work it can help you in so many different areas of your career um, and also being being confident to give your opinion I think that's such an important message to share you know just because you're a trainee doesn't mean that you shouldn't speak up and yeah giving your opinion can lead to further discussions like you said where you can actually learn more so I think that's really great advice and um what do you think your biggest challenge was during your training contract and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I think I touched on it earlier. I think the absolute biggest challenge is, is the fact that you're starting four new jobs. Um, as you can imagine, with anybody starting a new job, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Um, you know, you'll have people listening to this podcast who are future trainees now and, and they're nervous already just about starting the training contract because you know they want to make a good impression they want to know what team they're in they want to know what type of work they're doing and and sometimes i don't think you realize that you, you you're gonna have those same nerves four times over and that's you know you, you'll never experience that again um once you actually qualify you're not going to be 
switching teams, jobs, um, departments every six months. So as much as it is a challenge, you do need to embrace it because it's, you know, it, it is great because you, as a trainee, something I wanted to, um, a point I wanted to make is you're probably going to be one of the most connected people in your team um, because by your third, fourth seat, you'll have met so many different people, not just the teams you've worked for, but you'll know trainees, you'll know probably know their teams as well because you might have gone on socials with them, etc. So it might be that you need a piece of banking advice, for example, on something, and you'll be the person that goes, actually, I know somebody in that team, I'll reach out, um, which, again, is quite a, a weird thought. Uh, but, yeah, I think the fact that you are effectively changing jobs each six months is a challenge because, like you mentioned earlier, you're working with new people. So you'll be introduced to a new supervisor. You'll be introduced to new associates. The team might or might not have paralegals. Um, and that comes with a host of different levels of responsibility, different types of work. And you've got to start from scratch again. You've got to learn how people work. You've got to learn how people like the work to be done. Some people like you, for example, sending one email with all your drafts attached to it other people don't mind you firing off your draft emails you know bit by bit when you've done them um little things like that the little kind of idiosyncrasies of each person you have to learn you have to because you want to make sure that you please them um it's very rare but i did have one partner that adapted his style of work to the trainee that would come in to the team now that's uh, you know that's probably the only time i've ever heard of that but he was quite good he would he would adapt his style of work to how you worked um and that made it for a you know an enjoyable experience as well um so yeah you have to be prepared to kind of just start feeling comfortable in a seat you know feeling like you understand the terminology what to do at a certain stage and then blink of an eye, you're in your next seat and you're starting, you're starting from no knowledge, no experience. And you're back to thinking, God, I know nothing again. And you'll have the thoughts in your head going, why don't I know anything? But you have to remember, you will. It takes time. It takes you three or four months to feel comfortable. And then you'll have two months to feel comfortable and then you've got to do it again. I think that is a big challenge because it's a test of your character, how well you can adapt how well you can kind of get to grips with something new whilst also balancing the, the fact that the previous, the, the incoming trainee to the seat you were in is probably going to still ask you questions about matters you were dealing with. So, you know, there'll be a period where you're kind of spreading yourself across two teams, not working in, in your old team, but at least helping, helping your trainee. And, and that's a, a really interesting balancing act. Um, and I think it's, um, you know it's great because you get to i'm someone who likes kind of meeting new people challenging myself i think as train as people in law we do like to be intellectually challenged and challenged generally um so the prospect of changing drugs could be quite exciting um so yeah that that for me is the biggest challenge that's so interesting so i think that what what i got from that is that you need to be really comfortable being uncomfortable because that's going to happen a lot if, if you're switching. Yeah. Not uncomfortable in a, in a, you know, negative way, but just in, in the sense that 
there's going to be a lot to learn every time and you're going to start from scratch. So you need to actually just understand that that is just part of the job and it's normal for you to not know anything when you move, which like you said, for, for law students um, and people who are maybe used to, uh, you know, excelling at, at every stage of university, et cetera, to actually be, you know, starting from scratch so many times, I can see how that would be a challenge. Yeah, and we also fall in the trap of, uh, because we're comfortable in our previous seat, we automatically think that going into the the second, third, fourth seat, whatever it might be, the new seat, um, that we should know what's going on because we know what's going on in the previous seat, if that makes sense. Um, No one's expecting that, um, and you need to remember that people do understand that you know anything, uh, don't know anything, sorry. What they will expect is actually for you to, ask questions for you to be inquisitive for you to be curious about what's going on curious about what the wider picture is um i think you know from experience i think fiona's partners um associate supervisors they worry when you're not asking questions so i think yeah you know stay stay curious stay inquisitive um and make sure you you um yeah, you're just finding out what's going on in a in a genuine and authentic way. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I'd like to take a moment to speak about the University of Law, which is the university I decided to study my LPC at. The University of Law is the sponsor of this podcast and makes it possible for us to continue bringing these episodes to you. So we really appreciate you supporting us by supporting our sponsors. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. The University of Law's experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life legal experience which can boost employability. They offer a range of undergraduate and postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students excel at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses courses to help students work and study at the same time. If you'd like to find out more about the courses on offer, please click the link in the description box of the podcast. So I want to move now on to the second half of this podcast, which is to talk about the commercial law pathway. Um, So I wondered if you could just tell us more about the commercial law pathway and what it aims to do. Absolutely. So I think um, I'll, I'll go back to kind of August, July 2020, when we last had the podcast and, and the name of the program was was Trainee Tips, which was a WhatsApp group. We had regular kind of Saturday morning sessions. Um, and, it, and, you know, I think, I hope people would say that it provided a lot of value and knowledge for people looking to get into the profession. Um, that stemmed for me from, you know, seeing how uncertain the world was out of the pandemic um, and how people looking to get into the legal profession were really worried um, as to how to do it. Um, and equally, I myself had a lot of people help me along my journey to, you know, get my training contract. And I'm eternally grateful to those people for for helping me, you know, by sharing their knowledge, sharing their time, 
um, and really guided me in the right direction to to make sure I got my training contract. So I knew I always wanted to do something um, in this space to help people achieve their dream legal careers. And it's kind of been an evolution um, and it's been a passion project of mine that that I've wanted to, to do for a long, long time. So what the commercial law pathway is, um, it's going to be, um, and I'm in the process of, of drafting all the content now, it, it will be an online pre-recorded course. Almost think of Netflix, but um, in course format. So, you, you know, you'll have all the pre-recorded content there with different sections from, you know, picking the right firm, who you are as an individual, um, right the way through to each stage of the application process so that you can work through it at your own pace and at the time that is relevant to you. So you might look at, you know, the firm section when you're looking at shortlisting firms, but equally you might look at the the assessment day section six months later when you've you've made it through and you can pick up and put it down whenever you choose to. Um, what it aims to do, it aims to provide people looking to get into the legal profession um, the knowledge that I've gained over kind of the last three, four years of making applications, speaking to trainees, speaking to future trainees, helping uh, law students get into the profession. Um, it aims to share that knowledge in a really easy to access format so that they can take it in their own time and, and hopefully help them towards making better applications making more targeted applications to then get the training contract or the VAT scheme that they so very much want i think that's fantastic and you obviously have such a wealth of experience to give back um, and I have been on the receiving end of, of your mentorship and it was extremely helpful. So um, I think it's great that you're giving back and helping others who are coming up, um, you know, the, the next future trainees. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's fantastic. Thank you very much. And what do you think makes the commercial law pathway different to other platforms? I think that's a good question, but equally for me personally a difficult question to answer um i would never say that i'm differentiating from the market and that's probably not good when you're looking to market yourself um but i i live by being authentic i live by being transparent and i think look this is my knowledge that i've gained over a number of years by speaking to people in graduate recruitments making applications myself and and taking in the knowledge that i've you know gained over the last number of years um i've never um i've never actually used any of the other platforms that are, that are there so i couldn't comment on on how mine differentiates itself from others whether it does or not i think that's down to people using i think what it does do is it provides what I believe to be the relevant knowledge you need to make um, successful applications or at least help you um, get there along uh, as long as though the individual using the course puts in the necessary work to do so. Um, 
there's a number of different platforms out there that are equally probably as, as, as excellent. And, you know, I think I spoke to someone not so long ago and, and people buy into people and people prefer one person's style of, of mentoring than the other. Um, what I personally like about the course that I'm building is the fact that, you know, you can pick it up and put it down as and when you choose to do so. You know, you can look over one section in August before the, the cycle starts and then you can pick it up again um, in March, um, April, when, you know, uh, invites are being sent to open days or assessment centres or video interviews or whatever it might be. And, and you can pick it up then and, and the course is going to cover, you know, absolutely everything that I've experienced and again the, the list of modules will be released before people can sign up to the course so they they can see whether it it hits the boxes that they need um but yeah uh, it's an unbelievably difficult question for me to answer in terms of how it differs um and I'd never kind of profess and I'd never never kind of put any of the other platforms down because we're all in this community to help people achieve their dream legal careers um, and I think everybody in the space is doing a wonderful job um, because, you know, I think over the last kind of two, three years, we're seeing an ever increasing number of of people in the space giving back to the community because they have an appreciation of how difficult it is to, to break through. Um, and I think, you know, anybody's putting their hand back down the ladder to help those next up i think you know everyone whether the resource is free or, or not is doing a, a stellar job and as long as the community keep doing that and keep paying it forward i think we're going to have you know a great um wealth of of people coming through into the legal sector you know future future partners coming through and i think that's um that's fantastic and i think that's what everybody is aiming for yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, the aim of the game at the end of the day is to uh, increase access to the legal profession. So, um, and, you know, from my own experience, I've I've had several mentors and I learned something different from all of them. So I don't think you necessarily have to be, like market yourself as being different necessarily. It's the fact that everybody has a different lived experience, everyone has something different to pass on to the next generation of solicitors. So, um, yeah, personally, I, I learned from from several mentors, and, and yeah, and it's up it's it's up to the individual to to take the bits that they like away yeah. from each mentor and mould it to fit them, um, and that's how you create a well-rounded person. The same the same you know the same applies on your training contract you'll pick bits of different people's working styles and ways of working to mold and, and drafting for example and you know styles of email and you pick different bits up from different people you work with and then eventually you'll find your own working style um and and yeah i completely agree with you the same is for mentors um you'll pick different bits up from different mentors you, you, you know you sit at home and you'll think i liked what he said about that or i liked what she said about this topic um and then you'll build your kind of toolbox uh of of um of skills of of knowledge and you'll kind of 
remember and you'll be like, I'll use this tool in this situation or I'll use this tool that I picked up from this person. Um, and, and I think that's the best way to go about it. I completely agree. And so who would benefit from membership uh, of the commercial law pathway? Everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, I think anyone looking to get into the you know, commercial law, uh, corporate law, uh, w- would benefit from the membership. I think it, you know, it's going to be a very, very comprehensive walkthrough of the whole process. Um, and there's going to be um, bonus um, content on that, which covers stuff that I personally think is super important in, in the whole um, application process from confidence um i think that's something that is super super key and something i speak on a lot about what i believe people need in the application process and i think you would agree um dealing with rejection um again you see a lot of the good stuff on linkedin but not necessarily the you know it's a highlight reel but you might not see people's struggles when they've received three rejections in you know, the space of two days. And, you know, I really want to delve into how to deal with that and how to use that to move yourself forward and use it as a springboard rather than using it as a thing that kind of prevents you from from succeeding. Um, uh, networking, again, something that probably isn't as, as discussed and, and about learning the softer skills. Um, and then various different, things I want to touch on within the course, like how to bring the best you out um, throughout the application process. Um, it's a very difficult skill on, you know, to, to kind of, I think I've touched on it before, but we're very, we're very modest. Um, we'll, we'll get compliments and we'll go, you know, oh, this whole thing, um, and that whole cliche. Um, you can't do that in the application process. Um, but equally, you can't be arrogant, and it's about finding that balance, and it's about finding that really, really fine and delicate line between the two to make sure that you are, you know, showing you in the best light possible whilst coming across humble, authentic, genuine, um, with the the real passion and desire for working for that individual firm. So that, that's what the course will touch on, and and. I genuinely do believe that a lot of people will be able to benefit from from the course. That sounds incredible. Um, you mentioned confidence, and that's something which I definitely would agree is is, is very important. Um, it really, you know, you could you could have all the commercial awareness in the world, you know, know all of your competencies like the back of your hand, and but if you don't have the confidence to deliver it, then it just won't go in the right way necessarily so yeah i completely agree with that where can listeners find out more about the commercial law pathway and sign up if that's possible okay so the commercial law pathway is very much in its incubator at the moment so uh if any listeners are interested in finding out more uh and being on the waiting list then please send me an email at Ayaz at the commercial law pathway.co.uk. And I'll say that again. That's Ayaz at the commercial law pathway.co.uk. 
um, and I'll put your name down. We can have a call um, to talk about um, anything you want to, and I can tell you more about the course. Um, and I'll keep a list of those that are, that are interested for now. And we're looking to launch the course probably towards August um, ahead of the next application cycle. Um, very exciting time. I, I can't wait to kind of get the ball rolling with it. But um, yeah, that's that's how people can. Brilliant. Thank you. And what I'm going to do is put the details to that in the description box of the podcast so that people can check it out. Um, and I completely agree. It's very exciting. I can't wait to see the commercial law pathway um, take shape um, and just make, you know, such a great difference to, um, you know, people who are coming up through the future cycles. You're too kind. <laughs> okay. Well, that brings us to the end of the interview. Um, it's been a pleasure, as always, to have you on the show, Ayaz. Um, thank you so much for coming back on here to talk about your experiences um, during your training contract. So, I mean, I can speak for my own, my own sort of takeaways from this. At least I know now what I can expect um, and I can take some of those tips that you gave and implement them in my training contract, which is uh, starting later this year. So thank you for that um, very much. And, and also thank you for detailing the commercial law pathway um, too. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for letting me join. And um, thank you to your cat as well. And thank you to the listeners for um, tuning in to this episode. And please do leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts if you enjoyed the episode maybe tell us if you have a takeaway from this um, do share that with us we'd love to hear what what you got from the episode um, and if you yeah we're going to be reading the best reviews on um on the next show so please do leave us a review and you'll get a shout out potentially on the next episode um, so yeah thank you to all the listeners and see you next time bye bye To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.